Welcome to this sermon podcast from Myo Baptist Church, and thank you for listening to today's message. We pray that God's Word will be an encouragement to you and a reminder that the Bible has all the answers to living a successful and fulfilled life. Again, thanks for listening. We now join the service in progress. Personal blessing with you. I'm looking at my phone. And the reason I'm looking at my phone, I just got a text message. You know, the Houghtons, uh, Sandy and Jim, are on an extended trip down to the southwest. I think their ultimate destination was Phoenix. Made their way down there and making their way back. I think they said they'd be gone about a month. And uh, I just got, and it almost, I don't know why it makes me emotional, but it does. Because I just got a picture from my son, Jeremy. And he and Angie are in their auditorium and there for the Sunday morning service. You can't see it was Jim and Sunday standing by Jeremy and Angie smiling. And uh, to think that they would take the time to, to go by there. Because, I mean, you got to go out of your way to go to Dalhart. It's way up. It's, it's the last town in the far northwest corner of the Panhandle. I mean, it's... Probably there's not an interstate within 100 miles of, of Dalhart. And here they went out of their way. And you can tell this is either right before or right after the service. They're in the auditorium there with Jeremy, my son, and, and Angie, and little Abraham, youngest grandson. And, you know, that, that speaks well of them, but, but that speaks well of you. That, that's the kind of people we have at this church. And we've had Cindy and Keith. Um, uh, did that, I think it was last summer. They they knew that Jeremy was there and went by. And, uh, you know, that's that's the kind of folks that I pastor here, and I'm grateful to pastor. And kind of along those same notes, we just got this letter yesterday. And this is from uh, Brenda Paycheck's mom. And, you know, Brenda, of course, passed away. Uh, but it, she writes, uh, Dear Pastor McMorris, Reflecting back to February 25th, 2017, when you opened your church door so that we could have a celebration of life service for our daughter, Brenda. While we expressed our thanks and gratitude that day, we still feel we want to make sure that all in attendance and those who worked in the kitchen know how, know how much it meant to our family. We all enjoyed the food and dessert. There was plenty to go around for everyone. Something else that made it special the friendliness of the congregation. We can appreciate why Brenda felt comfortable in your church environment. We met several people that spoke to us about Brenda and how they felt blessed by her. We agree she was an inspiration to all who know her. Brenda would have been very pleased with the choice of music. Those were the songs that helped her to feel close to the Lord and Savior. We thank those who sang in remembrance of her. It was, she concludes, a sad day, but we rejoice knowing she was, uh, it was a sad day, but we rejoice knowing she was where she wanted to be. As the song states, I am walking tall, God has made me whole. In Christ, Leon and Sylvia Braystead, uh, Braystead, and family. But I, I take note of the fact that she was uh, thanking you. And again, that reflects, we're not a perfect congregation. I got a long way to go. Uh, we all do, but uh, I'm, I'm grateful to you. It's wonderful to be the pastor of this church. 
All righty, turning to the subject at hand, we're starting this series on protecting the family. It'll go three or four weeks. Uh, all that is necessary for evil to triumph is for good men to do nothing. Okay? Um, we can't be intimidated. We can't be shy. We can't be bashful. We don't want to be arrogant. We don't want to be boastful. But we want to, as the Bible says it so well, speak the truth in love. Speak the truth in love. It is, it is politically incorrect to say that marriage is to be limited to a man and a woman, period. But I have to say it. And I may be very well attacked by saying that homosexuals should not be married and that marriage uh, is, is not a group thing, and that marriage is a permanent thing. Uh, there are people in this county right here that will take exception to that. And probably most couples that are cohabitating together today uh, will not like it. And it may make some of you uncomfortable, but folks, I must speak the truth. And you need to be supportive of that. We don't, we don't not love homosexuals. We're to love them. They are part of God's creation. We need to reach them with the gospel. We need to help them in any way we can to overcome the, the challenges that they face. But we cannot condone the agenda that they are pushing. And there is an open attack on marriage and the family today. I've done my homework. I probably spent more time this week preparing these two messages than I have on preparing messages in a long time because I know what's at stake. And I want to be accurate and I want to get it right. And I know that I have to be careful about what I say because it can and will be held against me if I, if I get it wrong. But this afternoon, I want to make the case for protecting the family. So we're going to begin by looking in Genesis chapter 2. Again, that's where we go. That's where we get our instructions. I accept it. I believe what I read to you this morning from Mark and what I'm going to read to you this afternoon from Genesis chapter 2, I believe it's God's word. And I, I believe that if, if you have half a brain, you're going to accept it as God's word and you're going to try your best to live it. Well, what does God's word say in Genesis chapter 2? Well, in verse number 18, it says, And the Lord said, It is not good that a man should be alone. I will make him a helpmeet for him. And out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air and brought them unto Adam to see what he would call them. And whatsoever Adam called every living creature, that was the name thereof. And Adam gave names to all cattle and to the fowl of the air and to every beast of the field. But for Adam there was not found an helpmeet for him. The Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman and brought her unto the man. You've heard, I've heard preachers, maybe you've heard it say, 
that uh, when Adam woke up from sleep and he saw Eve there, he goes, man. <laughs> he goes, whoa, <laughs> man, whoa, man, whoa, woman, woman. That's what she, <laughs> thus the name woman. And Adam said, that may not be theologically accurate, but. And Adam said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. And then again, in Genesis. This morning we were in the New Testament. Now we're going way, way back in the Old Testament to creation. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife and they shall be one flesh. I want to make the case this afternoon and give you help and information to make the case of why the family is so important and why it's important that we get it right. And getting it right means it's one man, one woman for life and if God blesses them with children. And I'm going to share with you a number of quotes this afternoon, but I can rest assure you that there will be ample amounts of Scripture in here to give support to these quotes. I ran across a very good article on marriage, and I think most all of the quotes I'm giving you this afternoon is from that article. And if you ask me what article it is, I cut, I pasted, and and then I I lost the article. I, I couldn't tell you. I wish I could find it, but I, but I can't. But it was a very, I thought, well-balanced, well-thought-out dissertation on, 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 on marriage, the significance of it, and why it's important, and what's at stake. Well, the first quote from that article is this one. Marriage is the fundamental building block of all human civilization. And we need to understand that. The government does not create marriage. Marriage is a natural institution that predates government. You know, it, it, is, it, it's an, it is something ordained of God. And we just read that in Genesis 2, 24. It is not for man or government to define marriage. God established that. I mean, and there is a, as I said this morning, and I think you know what I mean by this. I mean, there is a biological, sociological reason for marriage. And none of these other unions, if you will, qualify. There's, there's no reason for two men or two women to be married to one another. There is no basis for that. There's no reason for that, and it is ultimately destructive. Another quote. Marriage exists to bring a man and woman together as husband and wife, to be father and mother to any children their union produces. It is based on the anthropological truth that men and women are different and complementary. The biological fact that reproduction depends on a man and a woman. And the social reality that children need both a mother and father. That's just basic. That's just common sense. It takes lost people to mess this up. It takes people walking in darkness. It takes people that are blinded to the truth to come along and to even suggest anything else. Because for 2,000 centuries, or not 2,000, for 20 centuries, 2,000 years, 
marriage, and before that, marriage was just a given. It's a husband, and it's a wife, and it's children in a unit. It is the building block of culture. Only in these last days have we begun to think differently. And I want you to understand this evening. It's not that they necessarily want to change marriage. I really believe the bottom line is to eliminate marriage. And you say, but pastor, that's irrational. Well, most of what progressives and liberals do is irrational, folks. You know, their economic policies are irrational. They're wanting to reintroduce policies in economics that have already been proven failures in Russia and Cuba and Venezuela. And yet they still promote it. It's irrational. I'm reading a book. I started it day before yesterday about the uh, progressive mind, I thought, is the name of it. And it's this psychiatrist or psychologist, Ph.D., board certified. And he's kind of taking it from a secular perspective of showing how, you know, irrational the mindset of these people are. Uh, again, it, it doesn't make sense, no. And, it, and alcoholism doesn't make sense. And, and, and drug addiction doesn't make sense. But people pursue it all the time. We don't want to go there. You know, we have been blessed to be saved. We're called to come to the rescue, folks. That, that's, you know, that's what Christians do. They, they come to the rescue. The, the good Samaritan came to the rescue. You know, we're, we're to come to the rescue. Marriage is under attack. Feminists hate marriage because, as I said this morning, they believe it subjugates women. Liberals hate marriage because they, they think it's a threat to state control of people. You see, liberals, we see God as God. Liberals see the government as God. You need to understand that. To the liberal, there is no God. Well, then who's in control? Washington. And that's why they want to gain control of Washington, so they can micromanage. And they determine what you can eat, what you can't eat. They determine everything. And they are against marriage because the marriage unit, two parents bringing their unique giftedness as male and female to to a child, will automatically raise a child to be a child of integrity, to be a child that is independent, to a child who has discipline, to a child who has goals, to a child who can live his life according to God's will for his life. That's what the average parents, certainly Christian parents, are going to do, okay? Nobody, no two parents ever raise children, I mean, no rational parents raise children with the intention of wanting to make them wards of the state or dependent upon the state. I never set Jeremy and Aaron and Matthew, my three children, down and says, Dad's goal for you someday is to be on welfare. I'd be so proud of you. I just, I long for the day that you're on welfare. That's not the way we raise children. We want to raise them to be self, not only self-sufficient, but to contribute to society. Today, people are all excited when they get their Obama phone. Dependent upon society. Do you understand? I realize it's complex and I may not do the best at explaining it. But I see it. I, I, I see it clearly. 
liberals are against families because two parents that care about their child is going to raise that child to be independent, self-sufficient. We, we know you, you have to make it on your own. You got to get a job. You got to work hard. You, you know, don't expect anybody to, uh, you know, don't, don't, don't expect anybody to provide for you. You know, you provide for yourself. That's the way we would raise them. But government says, no, this group, you know, and the liberals, they want to d- divide and conquer. No, you're, 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 a, you're a group and, and you've been oppressed and, and we need to take care of you. And this group over here, you women have been oppressed and we need to take care of you. And, and, and the blacks and the Hispanics and, and you know, they, they'd like to divide you into every subgroup with the idea that you are then dependent upon them. And the funny thing about it is that don't work, and that's been proven in Russia, in Venezuela, in Cuba. It, it doesn't work. And then the unsaved, well, marriage is ordained of God, therefore must be eliminated. I mean, we've made the case, well, the Bible makes the case that marriage is of God. Well, unsaved people are going to be against anything God. And if we say God, if marriage is of God, then they're going to be against that too. So, it is quite literally under attack, okay? It's not just, you know, and, and some of us want to stick our head in the sand. I don't want to hear about it. I don't want to deal with it. Folks, all that is necessary for evil to prevail is for good men to do nothing. Let's look at two things real quick this afternoon. Number one, why marriage is critical to a productive and peaceful society. And then number two, the consequences of redefining marriage. We're going to make it quick so we can move on. Number one, biblical marriage is critical to a child's well-being and his future. Understand that. Quote number one, for highly dependent infants, and infants are highly dependent, there is no path to physical, moral, and cultural maturity, no path to personal responsibility without a long and delicate process of ongoing care and supervision to which mothers and fathers bring unique gifts. Kids that are not in a stable home The facts are that they typically are not going to do well. There are going to be lots of problems. Moms and dads bring two unique virtues that are implanted in children when moms and dads are the moms and dads that they ought to be. And a jungle gym in a park is a perfect illustration of that. When dad is back there saying, oh, yeah, you can do it. Climb on up. There's another rung. Climb it. And mom is over there saying, be careful. You see those two perspectives? A beautiful balance. Beautiful balance. And when that's not there, it makes it all the more difficult. And that's the reason my heart goes out to single moms and single Christian moms or, or single Christian dads that are trying to, to, to do it. We need to be there for them and upbraid them, and they can do it. But God's best plan is the giftedness of mom and dad. Biblical marriage is critical to a child's well-being and his future. The second quote, social science confirms the importance of marriage for children. According to the best available sociological evidence, children fare best on virtually every examined indicator when reared by their wedded biological parents. Studies suggest that children reared in intact homes do best on educational achievement, emotional health, familial and sexual development, and delinquency and incarceration. What statistics show us is that children raised in broken homes, and particularly children without the dad in their lives, which is 
huge problem, particularly in, in cities, are far more prone to end up living in poverty, far more prone to have addictions, far more problem, are far more prone to get in trouble with the law. And again, that's why I said this morning why these messages should matter to you is your quality of life is being impacted. One of the reasons we have to lock our doors now, which is something people never did before basically the 50s, they never locked their doors. I remember growing up, we didn't lock our doors. We left the, the keys in the ignition. You go to the store. Something's different now. Our, our society's become more dangerous, more coarse. And what's, what, is there a correlation between that and the destruction of the family? You bet there is. You bet there. That's why it's important to you. That's why, that's why we have to be offering hope and help to those that are out there and, and to, to see them saved and then to teach them these truths. But understand this, why it should matter to you. Biblical marriage is essential economically. It, it, it's, it affects your pocket. Every one of us, our pocketbooks are affected today adversely because of the struggles of families today. A couple of quotes. By recognizing marriage, the government supports economic well-being. The benefits of marriage led Professor W. Bradford Wilcox to summarize a study he led as a part of the University of Virginia's National Marriage Project in this way. The core message is that the wealth of nations depends in no small part on the health of the family. How did this country grow to be the wealthiest, uh, most blessed nation in the history of the world? I remember a time when you couldn't find a store open on Sunday. Things have changed. He further says, The erosion of marriage harms not only the immediate victims, but also society as a whole. A Brookings Institution study found that $229 billion in welfare expenditures between 1970 and 1996 can be attributed to the breakdown of the marriage culture and the resulting exacerbation of social ills, teen pregnancy, poverty, crime, drug abuse, and health problems, all related to the breakdown of the family and costing you and me thousands of dollars out of our pockets every year, making up for what the family should have achieved. Well, let's look quickly now at the consequences of redefining marriage. There is no basis for marriage other than what God has done and what he has done biologically. You know, a man and a woman becoming one flesh, producing a child. That's the basis for marriage. There is no basis for two men, two women. But people are trying to redefine marriage, I think in part, to destroy it. The consequences of redefining marriage. We'll go through these quickly. Redefining marriage would further distance marriage from the needs of children and deny the importance of mothers and fathers. Redefining marriage would further distance marriage from the needs of children. I mean, when you're talking about two men and two women getting married, how's that going to help a child? He needs the two people that created him to be in his life or her life forever and contributing what only they can. Proverbs 6.20 says, My son, keep thy father's commandment and forsake not the law of thy mother. When the Bible speaks, does it not speak of the importance of the father, 
thy father's commandment and forsake not the law of thy mother. Folks, you can't improve on that. Can you tell me a better situation than a child coming into this world with a mom and dad who love that child unconditionally and love each other and are committed to each other for life? Can you improve upon that? Why in the world would you even think about tinkering with that? It takes a demented mind. It takes someone lost on their way to hell to come up with anything other than God's best. Next, redefining marriage would put into law the new principle that marriage is whatever emotional bond the government says it is. And that's what it's come to. It's no longer just the rational, reasonable understanding. You got a man and a woman. They make babies. The best thing is for them to think about that before they get married. Make sure it's God's will for them to be married. And then promise before God they're going to be with each other the rest of their lives for better or for worse. And they're going to commit themselves to the children. And whatever problems come, and there will be problems, you know, they will look to God to resolve those problems. A society where everybody is committed to that, I want to be on that island. I don't want to be on the island where it's every man for himself and people sleeping with people and this, you know, producing kids and kids growing up wild because mom and dad aren't home and mom and dad don't care. And redefining marriage does not simply expand the existing understanding of marriage, it rejects the truth that marriage is based on the complementarity of man and woman. There is a complementarity there both emotionally, socially, and physically. They, we're just biologically made to come together. We won't go into more detail than that, but that's the way God made it. It's based on the complementarity of man and woman, the biological fact that reproduction depends on a man and a woman, and the social reality that children need a mother and a father. And any other approach is forbidden by God. For example, Leviticus 20.13. If a man also lie with mankind as he lieth with a woman, both of them have committed an abomination. They shall surely, back in the Old Testament, be put to death. Their blood shall be upon them. There's no wiggle room here. Well, that's just the way they're made. And just give them a break. No, I really believe homosexuality is a sin. I, and I love the sin. Look, I, I, I would, any homosexual that came to me for help, I would bend over backwards to help them. Do anything I could to, to give them victory. But I really believe there, there's, there's arguments to show, they're just, to, to disprove the fact, well, they're just born that way. I don't believe that for one second. I, I believe it is a choice. It sometimes can be influenced by environment, but it, it, it's a chosen sin, just like somebody choosing to be a murderer. I re- you may argue with me on that. doesn't matter. I really believe that to be the case. Next, redefining marriage would weaken monogamy, exclusivity, and permanency, the norms through which marriage benefits society. Here's a quote of an activist, Michelangelo Signorelli, I guess urges same-sex couples to demand the right to marry, not as a way of adhering to society's moral codes, but rather to debunk a myth that radically alter an archaic institution. They see marriage as an archaic institution. Goes on to say, he goes on to say, 
Same-sex couples should fight for same-sex marriage and its benefits. And then, and I really believe this, this guy's just being honest, once granted, redefine the institution of marriage completely. Because the most subversive action lesbians and gay men can undertake is to transform the notion of family entirely. What does the Bible say? There's a much better way. There's a much better way. Ecclesiastes 9.9. Live joyfully with the wife of whom thou lovest all the days of thy life, of thy vanity, which he hath given thee under the sun all the days of thy vanity. For that is thy portion in this life and in the labor which thou takest under the sun. Live joyfully with the wife whom thou lovest all the days of thy life. You can't improve upon that. Why, why, why even think about tinkering with marriage? You, you, you can't improve upon that. And then, lastly, redefining marriage threatens religious liberty. And we're there, folks. I never thought in my lifetime we would be where we are. Through my life, you know, living in America, land of the free, home of the brave. Redefining marriage threatens religious liberty. Don't stick your head in the sand. Oh, it's no big deal. If they want to live together, if they want to be married, and some of you think that way. If they want to be married, let them, let them be married. It's, it's, it's no big deal. I'm not going to do it. I don't approve of it. But, you know, understand what you're saying. Redefining marriage marginalizes those with traditional views. That's me. Redefining marriage marginalizes those with traditional views and leads to the erosion of religious liberty. The law and culture will seek to eradicate such views through economic, social, and legal pressure. You you understand that? They're, they're not going to be okay. Well, you got your opinion. You're, you're for traditional marriage. Uh, okay, we, we are for homosexual marriage. Okay? Try having a bakery and say, I, I don't want to bake for that homosexual marriage. And see if they will say, oh, well, that's okay. Will they do it? They'll want to close you down. You are okay with them. You know, okay, you want to have your, you, you go do whatever you want to do. Not going to affect me. But when you tell them that, oh, we will close you down. Or as a pastor, we will shut you up. They're arrogant. They're bullies. They're out of control. They're unhinged. What's the crowd that's, that, that riots? I never saw the moral majority rioting. Back in the day of Jerry Falwell. But I can see Hillary's people, you know, they're unhinged, folks. Now, should we hate them? No. Should we love them? Yes. Should we reach out to them? Yes. Should we be arrogant? No. Should we be bold? Yes. Should we cave in? No. Should we speak the truth? Absolutely. In Isaiah, understand what's at stake. It was at stake in the time of Isaiah. It's at stake today, and we're done. The Lord says, Woe unto them that call evil good, and good evil. Today, Bruce Jenner 
What's he called now? Caitlin. Yeah. Caitlin Jenner. You know, he was a decathlon gold medalist. And now he portrays himself as, as, a, as a female. Uh, didn't ESPN pick him as, was, was it woman of the year? You know, and I'm a bad guy for preaching this. I'm bigoted. I'm, I'm prejudiced. I'm biased. Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil and put darkness for light and light for darkness that put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe unto them that are wise in their own eyes. Can you say progressives? Can you say liberals? And prudent in their own sight. They got it right. They don't need to hear from anybody else. It's called elitist. Therefore, as the fire devoureth the stubble and the flame consumeth the chaff, so shall their root be as rottenness. And their blossom shall go up as dust, because they have cast away the law of the Lord of hosts and despised the word of the Holy One of Israel. That happened in Isaiah's day. Do we think God's going to give America a pass if we're guilty of the same things, same kinds of things? Verse number 25, Therefore is the anger of the Lord kindled against his people, and he has stretched forth his hand against them and hath smitten them. And the hills did tremble, and their carcasses were torn in the midst of the streets. For all this his anger is not turned away, but his hand is stretched out still. His anger is not turned away, but his hand is stretched out still. Even the direction that this country is going, I believe his hand is stretched out still. And those of us are in human terms his hand. We're stretching out still to this community and the communities, the other communities that you here represent this evening. See yourself as his stretched out hand. Don't let this world brainwash you into thinking, well, they're born that way. No big deal. Let them get married. You haven't done your homework. It doesn't work like I wish it worked like that. It doesn't work that way. You need to take a stand when it comes up in your family talks and at work. Don't get involved in arguments. If things are getting out of hand, you know, you don't want to ratchet up emotions. But when you have the opportunity to share the truth, you must. You do it in a spirit of love and a spirit of hoping to reach those people with the gospel. But beware that you're not being influenced, number one. That you're starting to think, well, you know, you're like the, what, the proverbial frog in the boiling hot water. You know, the, the, the cultural heat is being turned up around you and you're not that sensitive to it and then all of a sudden you're gone. No, be aware to the pressures around you. Stay firm in God's word. That, that's where you keep your compass on, on true north. Because the world tries to pressure me, it tries to pressure you. And due to that pressure, whole denominations have gone off the deep end in certain individual churches. But not just us. I can assure you there are thousands of churches and millions of Christians in this country who have the compass pointed at at due north, and it's not wavering. One of my favorite people, he's a Southern Baptist, uh, Jeffries. Do you remember his first name, Sharon? Pastor of First Baptist Church, uh, 
Chriswell used to pastor that church. I visited it one time and I met uh, Chris. What was his first name? Chriswell. Somebody said it. Robert? No, no, not Robert. Anyway, um, anyway, I went to that church. I, I appreciate uh, Jeffries is his name now. I can't think of his first. What is it? Robert Jeffries. Yeah, I mean he's a Southern Baptist. We disagree on some probably minor things, but I mean he has taken a stand. He, 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 he tells it like it is, and I, I respect that. And we need to be that voice here in our area. Love homosexuals, love liberals, love progressive. God wants to see them saved, amen? But we can't be cowards, and we can't be influenced to go down that same road they've gone down. One quote and one verse, we're done. This article ended saying, the future of this country depends on the future of marriage. And the future of marriage depends on citizens understanding what it is and why it matters and demanding that government policies support, not undermine, true marriage. Genesis 2.24 Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife and they shall be one flesh. That's a beautiful thing. God bringing a man and a woman together, standing at the altar, pure with one another, loving one another, ready and willing to commit themselves to life before whoever's there, growing together, overcoming their trials of being together, trusting in the Lord, providing a loving, stable environment for their child or children if God should choose to bless them. You can't improve on that. And we dare not tinker with that. And we need to offer to our unsaved family and friends, first of all, the gospel, because none of this is going to make sense to them until they're saved. But then expose them to the fact that there is a better way. And the better way is God's way. Thank you for listening to today's message. We hope that the service was a blessing to you and that you were encouraged by God's Word. If you have any questions about Myo Baptist Church, please contact us anytime. You can find contact information on our website at myobaptistchurch.com. Thanks for listening.